0: We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. go. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Kara Golden Show. We are so excited to have Brad Sharon here with us here today, who is the CEO of a very yummy, 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 yummy plant-based protein bar called Aloha. And if you are not familiar with Aloha, I know you're going to go and walk into a store this afternoon. I was just in Trader Joe's and was just super excited to see all of the space. Uh, You are going to recognize this brand. And if you haven't tried it, you absolutely need to try it. It is so, so tasty. And also, as I mentioned, plant-based protein bar that, is, that will truly knock your socks off. So Brad joined this company. It's kind of an interesting story, which I... Can't wait for him to share, but uh, basically joined the company in 2017 and has taken Aloha to incredible and super fast growth. I look forward to discussing his journey joining and scaling Aloha, as well as what prompted him to take on this role after helping scale some uh, minor, not so minor, incredible brands uh, that he had worked at. Before including Frito, Chobani, and Kind in senior level roles, and uh, hearing more from Brad about his take on pl- the plant based industry overall. As we know, that is such a hot, hot industry, and uh, everybody's really looking to get healthier and is looking at uh, finding great products that are under this umbrella. But also, I'd love to hear kind of the misconceptions that uh, that he's sort of run into over the years, and maybe even what he thought uh, it, prior to actually trying a product like Aloha. So, thank you so much, Brad, for joining us.
1: Thank you, Kara. We should just stop right now. I know if that's good enough. Exactly. Everyone, have a great afternoon. Go back to your daily lives. Exactly.
0: Peace and out. Go find that Aloha. Bar right now, so please tell us what is Aloha. I touched on it for a second, but I'd love to hear your take on it.
1: Yeah, uh, and thank you for having me. It's a it's an honor to be associated with all the people uh, that you've interviewed in the past, and and I'm not worthy of it. So um, just in you know, this is this hopefully an episode that that adds value in some way. Um, but uh, but but thank you again. Um, Aloha is an organic plant based food company. With a name like Aloha, you could be anything, to be honest. And what we've chosen to be is, is, is really be the best at protein bars, drinks, and powders. But I'm also a big believer in the power of food to not just be one dimensional. Um, some of my, my favorite authors write about multi dimensional characters. Like I like books that I don't know what's going to happen. And so hopefully the company is the same way. Uh, the company has versatility, flexibility, but it does a really, really good job about delivering great macronutrients. Uh, from a certified place you can trust with great taste and texture, like go figure taste and texture matters in the food business. So um, so that's what we do. Uh, we're a small company. We're uh, employee owned and operated. Uh, we don't have a big private equity money behind us Uh, We've been fortunate to win distribution in some of the leading retail accounts across the country who are very discerning in a very uh, strong uh, CPG space, uh, winning at Whole Foods and Sprouts, uh, Kroger and Albertsons, uh, HEB and Wegmans, and my little friends, uh, Harris Teeter down there in Carolina, who were the first people to bring me on. And and I'm always going to love them for that. Uh, And then a really strong digital business on aloha.com, which is Kind of where the, the company started, Kara. Um, it was bought by Hawaiian entrepreneurs uh, as part of an IP strategy. Um, so we were originally uh, uh, created in Hawaii, in Honolulu. And, uh, and then, how do we, you know, almost nine years after that time, uh, how do we bring it out to the masses and, and really become the next big brand uh, in, um, in CPG? So fingers crossed, I haven't screwed it up yet. Uh, and that goes back to uh, associating ourselves with some really good people. Uh, back in the past and also still today, who, who remember and remind us that, um, that it's, it's a gift. It's a gift to provide food to your family. It's a gift to, uh, to put your brand out there that means something beyond just the the food itself. Um, and to try to operate a, a business that's sustainable in terms of the impact it has holistically, but also as a good financial business because that allows us the fuel, uh, to keep going day to day. So, um, so it's a privilege to work at Aloha. It's been, a um, uh, we were talking before. It's been a journey. Um, not every day is a great day, um, and uh, but but the, the the sun rises the next day on those do- those ones, and you just got to come out with the same um, spirit and energy as you did uh, at nine a.m. the previous one, and um, and then kind of let the cards fall where they may. But uh, it, it's been a privilege.
0: backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. So you had been at some pretty amazing brands, helped to scale those brands. I don't think that you had actually been in those brands when they were this small. Uh, so this was a big move for you, right? To to actually not only go in as a CEO, but also be joining something where you really have to build a brand that is not known. So can you talk to me about that decision for you personally?
1: Yeah, it was a crazy and odd decision at the time. And I was counseled saying, like, you could do other things, you know, like, you don't need to get like all hooked on this Aloha thing. Like, why don't you do something that's different and and, and smarter? And I just barreled forward um, into it, um, really because I saw the potential I saw the, saw the potential to create something special, not just sustain, not just like financially successful, but like successful, like, you know, being like a brand like Hint, uh being a brand like Chobani uh, that I was fortunate to be a part of. Um uh, I was at Under Armour before it was a, a billion dollars in sales Um, and, uh, and watching, you know, how Kevin Plank created that company and, 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 and the, just the guts to go up against the biggest, baddest, uh, uh enemy and the planet and Nike and, and having the fortitude and the confidence to say, why not us? And that's what we still say today is why not us? Um, and, and I remind our team that every day, if there's a challenge or an obstacle, why not us? And I think so that that kind of mentality through my career, I, uh, like you said, i got great training at Frito-Lay. Uh, uh, I got uh, experience in the early 2000s launching Lucky Brand Jeans, one of my favorite, favorite brands of all time, launching them into Europe and Russia and the Middle East. Um, really as a 24 year old, not knowing what business was, I mean, I was a hockey player. Um, I, I mean, I, I didn't know, I knew that dollars and cents were good and, and, uh, but that was largely it. Um, I knew, I knew how to stop a puck, which is not an overall career moving skill. Uh, um, uh, for those of you listening, um, but, um, uh, it, it was, uh, it was a great journey to kind of come to Aloha. Um, the, the company was shutting down Kara in effect, uh, when I, when I joined in and I got close to the lead investor, uh, of the, of the previous iteration of Aloha. Um, and, and it was a company with tons of potential, but it had lost some of its focus and it had tried to do too much too soon. And, um, And i've always been a big believer in in terms of you know i grew up in minnesota so midwestern hard work uh put one foot in front of another and um and start building success one block at a time and uh and through with with a couple people we we reformed the whole company we still kept the nature of 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 aloha in terms of our commitment to um a better way of, of life um and even when i joined the company i formed this hawaiian council uh, back on the islands uh, of native Hawaiians, ethnic Hawaiians, uh, to help guide the company's culture and spirit so that we never strayed far away from the values of humility and uh, accessibility and community, uh, ohana and pono, you know, great kind of deep clutching heartfelt words. And, um, and, and then I think the last thing I'll say on that is, is um, you just got to be stupid enough to go in there and think that you're going to make it fighting against the biggest companies in the world, and I, I was I was that dumb, and um, and uh, at the end of the day, I, I think that we're making an impact now, and um, and that's all you can hope for.
0: So I'd love to talk about the category overall. So plant based, how is that different than what's on the shelf, these other bars that are out there. And I know you do more than bars, but let's just talk about plant-based overall, because I think the average consumer doesn't actually understand exactly what that really means.
1: Yeah. Look, the world used to be driven by, in my opinion, protein count. So if it was over 20, 20 grams, it'd be for muscly guys, you know? And if it was under 20, it'd be for a diet product. So that was one way to look at the world. The second was to, to dichotomize it based on your protein source. So there was soy,
0: mm-hmm.
1: there was whey, animal, and then there was plant. Now, <laughs> plant really can be anything that's not soy or or whey. Um and so the third dimension, what I think is going on now is is there's even a, a, a bigger degree of what is plant-based. And if you're using nut butters and you're you know you're using pumpkin and brown rice or if you're using pea if you're using those these proteins and kind of ingredients there's a lot of plant-based bars on the shelf to be very honest now but are they all equal um is there any commonality to them and the closer you look and this is where discerning consumers and this is these are consumers that read labels a lot of times It's a big category, $6 billion plus category in the U.S., but there's a lot of consumers reading labels and they all have opinions, which Mm -hmm. is wonderful. So as the average food IQ of consumers, driven by younger consumers, but even by older consumers who understand the differences between protein sources, sugar, the kind of sugar you used, what's the role of fiber, there's this wonderful healthiness awakening going on in America um, that I love to be a part of because it means that brands who who are the most discerning, the most conscious about it, the most careful, the most thoughtful, um, they have an opportunity to win outside of their fair share versus a big company just pounding coupons or just pounding shelf placement, right? So you can actually win with a better product with the consumers because consumers are taking those brands on their backs to do it. Now, you still need to be good at all the C's and P's, right? All the placement and understanding trade, understanding distribution and supply chain. You, you got to be good at all that stuff because you're competing against people who are really good
0: mm-hmm. and who are
1: really resourced. And you should be a little scared of them. You should. And if you're not, that's crazy. I am. But like, you also have to believe that the consumer at the end of the day appreciates your holistic offering and it's got to taste good because no one's willing to sacrifice forever. If it doesn't taste good, if it doesn't have real food texture, y- y- your niche. Yeah. Or a consumer will try it once, and that's just not interesting, right? That's not a relationship with a consumer.
0: Totally. Yeah. No, I say that all the time. It, it's uh, there's that drink that uh, that will remain nameless that gave you wings that nobody loved the taste of it, and gone are the yeah. days where you could launch a product I think and be successful yeah. without it tasting great whether it's a food product or a drink product it's uh it's the same thing i think consumers are definitely you have to have a product that tastes good for sure
1: yeah when um, when you have to mix it with vodka to make it taste good totally not not high on my list right
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So you had significant experience with some of the best companies out there. I always uh, share with people that of the kind of old school brands, I mean, definitely Frito, I think kind of knew that was great training ground for sure for, for, for you and understanding that. What other experiences did you take away from those experiences, obviously, Chobani and Kind, uh, too, but where you felt like, okay, here's what we need to do in order to make this brand successful.
1: Well, look, I mean, I received so much more than I gave than, in all these jobs. So it's really a blessing yeah. that I was able to be a fly in the wall in a small part of them. Um, I was not a driver of any of the businesses. I mean, these were driven by I mean, Daniel, Glabetsky uh, at Kind, like... I I mean, I always thought that food should be created with ingredients you can see and pronounce. Daniel said it so and put it on the packaging. Check. Awesome. He brought, he drove transparency and a philosophy towards a brand that was a very healthy nut snack, but he did it like, like, like check. I learned, I learned so much watching that. Um, uh, Hamdi at Chobani, you know, the story you've done the story. It's incredible what he created out of nothing Mm -hmm. uh, with nothing. Um, but I was struck with how everything at Chobani had meaning. So he had this, this great cafe in New York and everything about the cafe had a purpose. So the wood in the cafe spoke to the manufacture, the farms in America, and the steel in the cafe spoke to the re- reinvigoration of American manufacturing. And the glass of the cafe spoke to transparency in food, brand, culture. There was a reason for everything. And I think that when you're a brand, that has to be part of your case. Like that has to be part of your calling card at at, that Under Armour. I learned from Kevin about how to be gutsy and like on the walls. Kara was painted. Cotton is the enemy. Cause that's how Kevin started. He started this tight t-shirt business. of was was synthetic, but then I got to the company and he's like, Hey, Brad, we're going to launch a cotton product, figure it out. It's on the walls, Kevin. It says cotton is the enemy. And so what What I learned there with that team and a really smart and talented creative team at Under Armour was that it it was about reforming the question. So it really wasn't about cotton being the enemy. It was the fact that traditional cotton was the enemy of performance. Uh And Under Armour as the performance brand, the champion of performance, more than any other brand, had solved cotton. We had out-technologied, not even a word, I'm going to make it up, we had out-innovated cotton to the point that we made it cotton perform. And I learned about reframing problems from that lens, from a brand standpoint, while still being true to the end, to the idea that cotton, at least traditional cotton, was the enemy. And then, like you said, Frito was a training ground. And watching the leaders, the people who have come out of, Choban- out of Frito and all the companies they've led and all the jobs they've had, and it's the breeding ground of general managers today, I was so fortunate uh, to, to go out of school right to Frito-Lay and, and learn how to build brands uh, in, in, in a way that it was the most entrepreneurial CPG company I'd ever seen. And um, and I think that kind of was the starting ground for me, Kara, to think that I possibly could do it myself one day in the future.
0: I love it. This episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your door skip trips to the grocery store, no more trying to decide on which restaurant to order in from, and no more trying to figure out the answer to the nightly question from the hangry family members, what's for dinner? Count on HelloFresh to make your home cooking come to life with easy, fun, delicious, and affordable recipes. That's why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. And here's something else. I've found that HelloFresh really helps me and my family to stay on the right path to staying healthy. So many endless healthy options to choose from, even satisfying my finicky household. Healthy meal options ranging from low-cal, carb smart, vegetarian, pescatarian, and more, all pre-portioned and made simple for any of us to prepare. HelloFresh is more than just dinners, too. Breakfast, quick lunches, and fresh snacks are also now available to add to your weekly box. Tasty, time-saving solutions that don't disappoint and are great to have on hand for the week. Great food minus the fuss and minus the last-minute decision-making too. That's what comes to mind when I think of HelloFresh. Plus, all of their recipes take 30 minutes or even less to create. You really can't beat what HelloFresh provides. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50KGS and use code 50KGS for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50KGS and use code 50KGS. Can you share some insights into how difficult it is to create this product? And when I think about a plant-based high-protein bar, uh, I know enough to get me in trouble that I think, you know, to get the texture right, to get the taste right, all of these things, uh, it's not so easy.
1: No, no, it's tough. No, it's tough. And also when you want to hold, you want to be USD organic and you want to be non gmail project verified. Um, you know, we recently, we became a B Corp. That takes a mm-hmm. lot of work. Only 4% of companies that apply even get it. And those are companies that think they're going to get it. Otherwise, they wouldn't apply. Um, To be climate neutral certified now, again, tough to do. Um, But I, I think it comes down to you can't sacrifice in your product. Like You just can't assume that there's not going to be a better answer. There's always a better answer if you're willing to put the work in and go through the iterations to do it. I mean, we went through on the drink we created or like the chocolate drink. I think I went through 50 different varieties of chocolate, you know, because chocolate is like coffee. There's so many varieties and people are so particular about it. Just trying to find what the right blend was, the right balance. Oh, and then you got to figure out if the macronutrient profile is going to fit. Oh, and there's this minor thing about margins. Oh, and then there's this minor thing about do does the ingredients blend in the machines you're going to use? And can you do it consistently? And Is it going to be shelf stable? I mean, it's daunting to think about Kara. Yeah, like the, the it, you know, my father gave me four words of advice when I graduated Notre Dame. He said, "Don't go into retail." <laughs> and not only did I did I ignore everything he said, but going into the food business, God, it's tough. Yeah, I mean, the only thing more difficult. I mean, we're an ambient product. We're a shelf stable product. But I mean, the Chobani days, or some of my friends at, at dairy companies where you got to get everything done and you got 40 days to do it before your product goes bad and you're just flushing money down the drain. I mean, that's, that's, that'd be a step too far for me, Kara. I don't want to, I don't want to go back to that degree of pressure and stress. Like I'm already I've got white hair. I don't think I can go anymore. Yeah. It's too well,
0: difficult. <laughs> well, and you're really creating space in these stores. I mean, this a plant-based bar, uh maybe there were a couple of them out there, but they were Aloha was really pioneering this this category of plant-based bars that are out there. I I always use the example my father had uh I I always f- refer to him as a frustrated entrepreneur. He was at a large company called ConAgra. And prior to that was at Armor Food Company and had developed a brand called Healthy Choice. And Mm -hmm, uh, he actually told me to go into the food industry, which I didn't initially uh, do. But uh, when he was still alive, he was able to see Hint launched and was very excited. But one of the things I asked him was, how do I get shelf space at Safeway? And He had no idea, right? Because he was negotiating internally with ConAgra and the other, you know, brand managers there in order to get the shelf space, or I should say the freezer case space. But this, this is a huge venture for you because you're in there trying to fight it out with, frankly, brands that you worked for, right? That must be incredibly tough.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, (laughs) you got to go in with eyes open. Yeah. Like, um, um i it's 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 challenging to be a doe eyed entrepreneur in the food space um and and i'm not i'm not i mean i've been around like you said, and i think that that on the best of days that moderates me mm-hmm. and on the worst of that worst of days that builds me up um because it's not easy like you said i mean I have great respect for the biggest c p g companies in the world i know how they operate i was one of them i have friends who are who were were part of it i have friends who are still there. And you have to respect their scale and their know-how and their expertise. They don't make unforced errors very often. And you got to be really careful as an entrepreneur because one unforced error can put you out of business. Yeah. And so, um, and so I, I think it is daunting and challenging. But let's think about the great brands in this space, yours, uh, uh, others, like brands who have created, like you said, have figured out there's something better. There's always something better. And I think that's what drives consumer excitement and engagement. And I go back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, shelter than food, right? And I, what I love about the food business, and I love the fashion business in the same way, is that you're driven by consumer tastes. The consumer is the ultimate arbitrator of what wins and what loses. Like, that's just a fact. And that kind of space really excites me as a business person, as an entrepreneur, because it means you got a chance. And and really, all you want to do is, as an athlete is be in the game. And I think that's been some of the, the biggest things for me is, is just putting yourself out there to play and, and doing your best to put it out there that, you know, I don't know what flavor you're coming in with, Kara. I don't know whether you're trying one flavor or another, but I, I damn well believe you better have a good first impression. And if you have a good first impression, I bet you you're going to have a second impression. and And that's the relationship we talk about that keeps going between brands that just exist and brands that thrive. And that's the hope when you're building a company is you're creating something that can extend beyond and mean something for people beyond just a macronutrient.
0: So what are some of Aloha's most popular flavors for bars? And what have you learned about flavors, whether it's with Aloha or, you know, you've been learning for a few years from, on other brands that are uh, that are out there. What have you learned about, about flavors that may might surprise consumers or people that you know aren't as familiar with flavors as you and I are.
1: Well, let's just say let uh, let's make the easy statement: it's not a surprise. Peanut butter sells. Yeah, people like peanut butter. No kidding. Um, but except even that the, has to be except good. Except in
0: a drink, I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, a powder <laughs> or a drink. You know, think, just just think about the consistency of drinking a peanut butter drink. Kind of grosses me out a little bit. Um, drinks, drinks are meant to be like drinking on a warm summer day, like refreshing drinks are not supposed to supposed to be something that fills your mouth. Like you're eating a chicken sandwich.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, uh, yeah, look, I mean, I think there's, let's, let's, let's talk about what's not worked thus far, by the way, that doesn't mean that it won't work in the future, but thus far, savory, savory bars haven't worked. The idea of, of this really interesting, salty. Uh, savory bar kind tried it. Other people have tried it. It just doesn't have mass mm-hmm. appeal. Um, really exotic flavors that American consumers don't understand what it is. It, it, you're not going to have the budgets of a big CPG company to explain to consumers what the product is. And if they can't be, you know, back in retail days, three seconds simple. If I can't figure it out three seconds simple on the shelf from my eyes to where the product is on the shelf in physical retail, there's an immediate barrier. It's not an unsurmountable barrier, but it's a barrier nonetheless. You're trying to reduce barriers as a smaller brand. Like, get me to try you. Um, uh, I think that, and then I'll flip to, to, to some of the other things. It's flavors that people know, but new takes on them. So like our chocolate mint bar, my mm-hmm. wife's favorite, she puts it in the freezer and she has it after dinner. It tastes just like a thin mint. Um, so like it, it there's a, there's a nostalgia element to it. I mean, she's German, so it's not an American nostalgia, but like there's a nostalgia element to it in general about what it tastes like. Um, our coconut bar, uh, which is, uh, one of these like this here, Kara.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that tastes like it's not a candy bar, but if you wanted to make it a candy bar, you know, kind of know what it would taste like. Um, it's got real coconut flakes to it. Um, so I think that that better takes on favorites matter. And I think the last thing I'll say is, this goes back to even my Frito days, my friend Miguel Leal, uh, who's now the founder of Somos, who you know, and Cholula, he's a brilliant guy. He was the brand manager on Lays when I worked there, and he uh, was coordinating or leading the um, uh, the, the campaign around um, the authenticity of your products. It, it was showing the farmers about where the potatoes came from. So a big company who actually had traceability back to its products. And so we've done something in Hawaii um, now uh, on the big island of Hawaii, on Hawaii Island, uh, where it's called the Kona Bar. And it's um, made from uh, ingredients um, that we've sourced uh, directly from the island, uh, including a fifth generation coffee farm on the the side of Kona uh, called Greenwell Farms Coffee. Incredible. Uh, With macadamia nuts from Pahala on the southeast coast of Hawaii Island um, from Hamakua Nut Company. And then it's really innovative oil um, from a Pangamia bean called Panova Oil uh, from a company called Terviva, whose founder and I knew each other for 23 years. Hmm. Um, and that's from the North Shore of Oahu. So we put all those together. We put it into a bar. And now with all the, the stuff happening on Maui, uh, we've we've now donated 50% of the proceeds, the sales of it, right back to our, our partners on the island, a group called Kupu that focuses on youth empowerment, entrepreneurship, and regenerative agriculture. Three things Hawaii is going to need a lot of these days and a lot of support on. So those kind of traceability stories, authenticity stories, but they have to be believable and they have to be actual. You can't just make it up. And so those kind of, I think, uh, products that also taste good, that also have good macronutrients, consumers want to hear more about that because that gets you to lean into a brand as opposed to just consume a brand.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, this kind of ties to my next question. How have you gotten the word out about Aloha as well? And, uh, you know, you're a fairly new brand, or I should say a rebrand. It's fairly new, but you're getting people uh, to try the product uh, in events, etc. But how are you getting the word out?
1: Uh, we're a lot of people. I mean, honestly, there's not a huge marketing angle to this. Like this is not mass media marketing campaigns. It's not field marketing. I'm not showing up at five, you know, five K's, um, even post COVID. Um, it goes back to what we were talking about, about having a brand and product that, that are first impression worthy. Mm -hmm. Um, if you have a good experience, Kara, and you're in the category, like you're going to tell your friends about it. Mm-hmm. We get a lot of that. We get a lot of people that write into us. And and when people email us at care, dot, care at aloha.com, sometimes they get me. God bless them. Um, So I'm answering or I'm answering questions or I'm just having conversation with people. That allows me the connectivity to know what's going on with my brand and my product. I hear about it firsthand from consumers. That matters to me a lot. Um, I mean, not all opinions are created equal, but I'm interested in that resource back and forth with them. That That's been key. Uh, having the right shelf placement matters, um, not just being in a retailer, but being eye level in a retailer. Uh, I call it first nation status. I want to have first nation status with retailers. And look, I may not be the dominant player in their category. Like the answer is I'm not, I'm the number one on Thrive Market, but I'm not number one in any other retailer like Kroger, or Albertsons or Publix, like, cause they got really big bands. They got Cliff and Kind up there. Great. But I want to be a call. I want to be like, when I want something accretive or incremental, or I want to know what what's next. We saw that at Under Armour. I want to be what's next. I want to be what the kids are wearing, not what the parents are wearing. And so for a brand in our space, like, like, like a food brand, um, that's been important, the retailer space. And I think just the last thing, Kara, is we got a really good digital marketing team. Mm-hmm. They're finding the right eyeballs at the right price with the right message. And then that creates that concentric circle model that I can efficiently and effectively market my brand without having to go bankrupt doing it, (laughs) without having to take a huge capital raise to do it, because that's not sustainable either. So it's, it's those kind of channels, but it's really been driven on the backs of consumers having a good experience with our product and our brand and wanting to learn more, wanting to try more.
0: So there's always this internal argument for the wannabe entrepreneurs, right? That maybe the the kids graduating from college should I just go hang a shingle and launch a product, or should I go work for a large company and learn a lot first? I I always tell people it can be done both ways, but you got to have a great idea, right? You got to be able to, and you got to have capital. And there's lots of of aspects of this too but what advice would you give to aspiring entrepreneurs looking to go and start a business whether it's a food business or clothing business or tech business I mean based on what you know
1: Oof. I mean you got to go in eyes open right Kara I mean um, mm-hmm. I'm not saying have a backup plan because if you have a backup plan you're really not in full full way anyways and I think entrepreneurs have to be have to be all in. Like you have to give everything of yourself to a to a venture because if not you, then who? Like if you're not willing to run through the wall, if you're not willing to go to the mattresses, like you can't really ask someone else to do it for you. Um, you're right. You got to have a better product or at least a better product idea. You got to have a higher than not confidence ratio that it's going to find an audience. And hopefully you're competing in spaces with large TAMs, large total addressable markets. So it's great to be a small fish in a big pond. It's bad to be a small fish in a small pond. You're not going to get the investment. You're not going to get the resources. And let's just say, God bless you, you win. Then what? Like you're you're like, yeah. like you're gonna you're gonna canoe yourself somewhere else? Pass. Hard pass. So I mean, I would say you go in wide open. Um, you go in all in, you gotta have a better product and better idea. I would also say that. You can't go in only with altruism. You can't go in only with values-based. That doesn't mean I don't believe in values-based. We've put values on everything we do and we stand by it. But you can't just go in to to try to save the world. Like, you're not a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. You're a Mm for-profit. And so that sustainable business model of having, you know, a product that will make money that you can reinvest in the business, you can't, you know, we all know this, you can't re-engineer financials. Like there's not a check coming from somewhere down the street, just wanting to donate money to you. Um, So it it is daunting. It is challenging. It is possible. I mean, you're a living example of that. We're hopefully on our way. Uh, I have great respect for the guys at chomps and, and Peter at RX bar and, and other people who have done it before and, uh, and put themselves out there to make something that didn't exist before. And, um, and so I say, God bless them. Um, and it's a great vocation. I can tell you that you'll wake up ready to go every day and you'll go to bed exhausted every day. And that doesn't suck.
0: I love it. Well, thank you so much, Brad, for joining us today. Everyone needs to go and purchase some Aloha bars. As I mentioned, we didn't get it. chance to talk much more about some of the other products that they have too, but you can see them on their website. We'll have all the info in the show notes, but best of luck, Brad, with everything. I think you've got a total winner. So this is oh, this you. is amazing uh, that you're spearheading this and, and really getting the traction that you're getting. So I'm sure uh, everything is going to go amazing. So thank you again, Brad, and have a great rest of the week.
1: Thank you, Kara. Much appreciated.
0: Thanks again for listening to The Kara Golden Show. If you would, please give us a review and feel free to share this podcast with others who would benefit. And of course, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of our podcast. Just a reminder that I can be found on all platforms at Kara Golden. And if you want to hear more about my journey, I hope you will have a listen or pick up a copy of my book, Undaunted, which I share my journey including founding and building Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And thanks everyone for listening. Have a great rest of the week and 2023 and goodbye for now. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness.